Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Mark, chapter 2? Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, reads, When he re-entered Capernaum some days later, a rumor spread that he was in somebody's house. Such a large crowd collected that while he was giving them his message, it was impossible even to get near the doorway. Meanwhile, a group of people arrived to see him, bringing with them a paralytic whom four of them were carrying. And when they found it was impossible to get near him because of the crowd, they removed the tiles from the roof over Jesus' head and let the paralytic's bed through the opening. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man on the bed, My son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there silently asking themselves, Why does this man talk such blasphemy? Who can possibly forgive sins but God? And Jesus realized instantly what they were thinking and said to them, Why must you argue like this in your minds? Which do you suppose is easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or get up, pick up your bed and walk, but to prove to you that the Son of Man has full authority to forgive sins on earth, I say to you, and here he spoke to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed and go home. At once the man sprang to his feet, picked up his bed, and walked off in full view of them all. Everyone was amazed, praised God, and said, we have never seen anything like this before. When the Lord enters a place, when the Lord enters a city, when the Lord visits a region, He is looking for faith. When Jesus enters a place, He's looking for faith. When He walked on the earth, when He came into different cities, different regions, different towns, He was looking for faith, a spirit of faith, a manner of faith. He was looking for the action of faith. Really what he's looking for is a people of faith, a people that are full of faith, the people that have this holy anticipation of what Jesus Christ is able to accomplish. Mark chapter 2 here Jesus re-enters Capernaum as we've read. And what did he find? What does the Bible tell us that he found? What would he encounter as he came into this region, as he entered this place? And we're told that he found faith. Faith at Capernaum. Now in chapter 6, Jesus enters another place. Mark 6, verses 1 to 5. They read, Then he went out from there, and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joses, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. 
But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could not do mighty work there. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. In the same account in Matthew 13, verse 58, it reads, Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their what? Because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief, when he came into the region, when he came into the city, when he came into the town, whatever this represents tonight, when he came into that place, he encountered unbelief rather than faith. There's a big difference between faith and unbelief. Big difference. The J.B. Phillips New Testament, it reads, and he performed very few miracles there because of their lack of faith. When the Lord enters a place, when he visits a region, when he enters the vicinity of something that he is trying to move into, and he's trying and seeking to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God, he is looking for faith. I want to ask tonight, what has Jesus found here? What has Jesus found in Edmonton? What kind of welcome, what kind of reception, what manner of greeting, what manner of reaction, what manner of response? Ask tonight, faith at Edmonton? Or how about this, faith at Overdrive? Faith at Christ City? Faith in your car, faith in your bedroom? faith in your home. When we're expecting Jesus to show up, what's the reaction? What are we welcoming him with? When we come into church, we've definitely, I hope, come to meet with Jesus. And if we have and he enters the place and his presence comes, what is he encountering? What's the welcome? What kind of reception? What kind of reaction Is he encountering as he enters the place? Is it faith or is it unbelief? What have we brought? What's the manner of our coming? Faith at. We can fill in the blank tonight with so many things, so many places. Mark 2, beginning at verse 1. In the J.B. Phillips New Testament, when he re-entered Capernaum some days later, a rumor spread that he was in somebody's house. We need that kind of rumor to spread in our city, that Jesus Christ is in somebody's house. He's in that person's house and that person's house, and every person that goes to Christ City, he's in their home. Amen? That's what we need to, to see happen. Such a large crowd collected. I mean, picture this and put yourself... In this place, such a large crowd collected that while he was giving them his message, it was impossible even to get near the doorway. So that's a large crowd. They've come to hear him. You can't even get near the doorway. There's something going on in here, on here. There's something going on in this region and in this place, in this city in this town that Jesus has re-entered. There's something in the air. And the voice reads, some days later when Jesus came back to Capernaum, people heard that Jesus was back in town. And many gathered at the house where he was staying. Soon the crowd overflowed from the house into the streets 
And still more people pressed forward to hear Jesus teaching the message of God's kingdom. I want to ask tonight, are we genuinely excited at the fact that Jesus is in town? Are we genuinely excited at the fact that Jesus is in town? That reality that he has come to town, that he's come to meet with us, that he's taken the time to enter this region, that he cares enough about us to come? Or is it old hat? Are we too familiar with him? Is he the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Josie's, Judas, and Simon, whose sisters are here with us? Now, we know that Jesus is always here. Yes, he's always here, and he comes, and we understand this, and he enters the room when we gather, and yes, there is an encounter. Yes, there is a visitation, but I wonder, though, does faith fade when he dwells among a people? When he becomes one of the regulars, when he's always around, when we know him too well, maybe we grew up in church, We've known him as Jesus. And there's this familiarity that has caused us, maybe now at a season in our life or at a point in our life or certain situations and circumstances to welcome him with unbelief rather than with belief. To welcome him with something less than what we should be welcoming him with. Are we genuinely excited that Jesus is in town? Would we have been one of those that were pressing to hear the message? That were gathering to hear the message that we're not deterred. We were standing as close as we could. We were telling people to hush so we could just maybe hear the message, hear the preaching inside the house. What happens when we hear rumor that Jesus is in the place? Are we running? Are we gathering? Are we welcoming him with faith? Beautiful picture here. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. Can you imagine if that happened in our churches? Can you, can you imagine if that happened in our homes? And maybe you're responding right now with unbelief, but all it takes is faith as a mustard seed in response to Jesus. All things are possible with God. And so we trust him. Can you imagine if that happened at your car in the parking lot as you're leaving work? Can you imagine if that happened when you're sitting there with your coworkers and you're eating and all of a sudden a crowd, all of a sudden it's overflowing, the lunchroom's overflowing? See, God can do anything, but oftentimes we are living with the spirit of unbelief. And therefore, even if he came into the lunchroom, he can't move, can't do many miracles, can't do much. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like we've left faith in our car. Maybe we've even locked it in the trunk so nobody can see it. 
Maybe we think someone's going to steal it. It would be a good idea if somebody stole some of our faith. But if that's the reality and that's how we're living, that's not how Jesus has called us to live. He wants to invade the workplace. I think sometimes we're so caught up with Jesus in the church, and he is in the church, but we got to believe that he wants to be out there too, and he is out there. But he wants to do miracles outside the walls of the church. He wants to save people outside the walls of the church. I love that this story doesn't say that he was in the church and they came and peeled back the roof. It says in someone's house. In someone's house. And they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. I mean, this is... This is faith. <laughs> they uncovered the roof. I mean, if you were the homeowner, can you imagine some guys up there and all of a sudden they're peeling back the tiles? I don't know what your response would be. Well, nowadays we'd be taking every picture of them we could because they're going to fix that roof when we're through with this. But this story here, they uncovered the roof where he was, so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. I mean, imagine the effort here to get to Jesus. It's an incredible act of faith, and it's an amazing response to the visitation of Jesus. They didn't just stand far out there and hope that maybe he'd walk out into the crowd and pass them by, and they could say, hey, we brought this paralytic with us. They didn't just drop the paralytic off and then walk away. They didn't say, well, hey, impossible for you, buddy. We're going to try and press through the crowd or get on top of each other's shoulders to see or to hear. They went a lot further than most of us would go, if we're completely honest. I want us to ask ourselves tonight, and I trust we can hear the call of the Spirit and the application in the Spirit. To what end would we go to get a breakthrough? Seriously, in our own lives, in our church, this applies to so many areas. It's not just applying to church right now. I mean, I'm talking finances. It could be whatever. It could be occupation, your calling, your gifting, the operation of your ministry, relationships, so many things, health. How far would we go? To what end would we go? To get a breakthrough. I mean, climb the roof and then reason sets in. I can't peel back the tiles. What am I doing up here anyways? To what end would we go? To get a breakthrough. How about a young adult group? To what end would we go to get a breakthrough? A church. To what end would a church go to get a breakthrough? To what end would a youth group go to get a breakthrough? Kids ministry go to get a breakthrough? To what end would Christians in a city called Edmonton, to what end would they go to get a breakthrough? To what end would you go at your place of occupation to see Jesus really come in and even just save one? Even say to one, son, your sins are forgiven. And then go beyond that and say, rise up and walk, take up your bed. That the whole place would be amazed, not because of 
us, but because Jesus has used us, because the Holy Spirit has moved through us and the power of God has entered that place, that many would be saved and glory would be given to the Lord. I want to ask us tonight, does our faith take us to rooftops? Does our faith open up rooftops? And how about this? Would we carry another to break through? Would we carry somebody else to break through? Would we use our own strength to open the roof and to lower them down? It's one thing to drag them to church and just kind of huck them on the sidewalk and say, go have fun. Or drop them off at the door and drive away. Or leave them. Or bring them and show them prayer and that's it. It's a whole another thing to really get involved and to use your own strength. Not only to carry them there, but to get them up on the roof. And then to peel back the roof. See, you're going to get the blame because the paralytic's not peeling back the tiles. How far would we go? Would we use our own strength? And then to lower them down. Mark 2, verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I don't know what kind of response they expected. As far as I know, this was not normal practice. Getting up on rooftops and peeling back the tiles and lowering down sick people. But something's happening here. The voice reads, Jesus recognized the faith of these men. The message impressed by their bold belief. See, not unbelief, but impressed by their bold belief. That's what faith is. Faith is bold belief. It's bold belief. The Amplified, when Jesus saw their faith, their confidence in God through him. I wonder if Jesus sees our confidence in God through him. When we come into our times of prayer, times of worship, when we're stepping out ready to evangelize, does Jesus see our confidence in God through him? You see, we need to realize and recognize and acknowledge the facts. Jesus Christ recognizes faith. Jesus Christ is moved by faith. Faith impresses Jesus. Maybe we don't think like that. Like we can come into church on a Sunday and impress Jesus. Yeah. That he sees our faith, that he recognizes our faith, that he's impressed. Impressed by our bold belief. You got to believe tonight that bold belief and faith impress God. They impress God. See, when the Lord comes to do a sovereign work in a region, in a city, wherever, what will he find there? I wonder tonight, is it possible that he has come to visit places and hasn't found what he is looking for? That he's actually come. See, we might not see him because right now Jesus is not walking around. If he entered the place... It would be more blatant. He'd walk into the church and then he'd walk around and he'd check people out. He'd check out the worship, check out the prayer. He'd check out their hearts. He'd listen to conversations. He'd take notes. He'd figure it all out. And then he'd say, hey, guys, I didn't find what I was looking for. See ya. But see, it's different nowadays. Jesus is here. His presence is here. God is here. In churches across not only our nation, but the nations of the world. In every home. 
He's walking by homes. He's checking it out. Like, can I enter here? Am I welcome here? Is there belief here? Is there bold faith here? Or is there something less? Because then maybe I can't do anything. I think sometimes we have this mindset that it's all on him. And, you know, Jesus, show up, do your thing. I don't have to have faith. Even if I have unbelief, you better be impressed anyways. Let's see through his eyes. Feel his heart. Faith at Capernaum. You know, we can apply this to church services, our weekly gatherings, our times of gathering. We can apply this to conferences, and I just want to speak to this just for a moment. You know, faith is buying the ticket. Faith is registering. It's the title deed. It's getting involved. You already have faith and anticipation. You see, faith is not leaving it to the last minute, and it's not a guilt trip. If you can't come, no problem. But see, the Lord, when he sees people already, like, I'm excited. This isn't about the names. This is about meeting with Jesus. I wonder nowadays, because I haven't heard of too many of these conferences where they just simply put Jesus on the guest list. You know what I'm saying? The only guest is Jesus and just show up, because people nowadays need a bunch of names. And then they check out, well, how many followers does this person have on Instagram? And can I maybe, maybe get a selfie with them at the conference because then I might get a 1,000 followers? Let's be honest. That's the world we live in. It's exactly where we live. But see, faith is saying, I'm in. I'm in. I'm buying the ticket. Let's go. And then you start to pray towards it. And you're getting ready. You're getting so full of faith. And can you imagine if you bought the ticket tonight, you went online, and you just said, I'm in. You saved $20 if you buy before Sunday. And you just, you're so in. You're so ready. And you take it, and you just take that brochure, and you're going to think that sounds crazy, but you put it in your Bible or whatever, and you're praying towards it. You're believing for a breakthrough. You're believing for some great move of God. Can you imagine if we all did that and came in in October on the Friday night and the Saturday and then into the Sunday? What would take place? I think Jesus would be impressed. I think he'd recognize faith. And you know what? For some of us, we might need to open the roof of our wallet and get out the card or get out the cash and say, I'm in. Gatherings, whatever it is, I'm in. I'm in. And it's not just about us that we're going to come and receive some spectacular thing, but it's, it's about God doing something in this place and us leaving. And the city being changed. I loved what the pastor, the prophet, said last night. It was alluded to by someone else to me after the service, just mentioning how he talked about this being like the training ground. And it is true that some of us, we've got this mindset, we can all fall into it, that this is, this is where we play, you know. And then we go out there and, I don't even know if we're training out there, but you know what I'm saying. But if we come in here and we're equipped and we're filled and we come to the conference, it just gets so full of God and pour out and magnify him and lift him high and see principalities and powers just throwing down and trampled underfoot. And God, a peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. And we use the spiritual weapons of war. And man, can you imagine what will happen? And then we leave this place and we're so full of God. You see, I think the thing is, 
If we're full of the Spirit, there is no reason why we shouldn't be so full of faith. But what happens is, when we find ourselves not full of faith or weak in faith, I don't know, it might just be that we're living more in the soul and the body realm than in the spirit realm. That's not how we're responding or living our life. Now, I know sometimes we are weak in faith and the Lord helps us. But if we're full of the Spirit, how many know the Spirit of God is full of faith? Full of faith in the Word of God. The work of Jesus in the name of Jesus. You know, faith has much to do with divine activity. really does. It has much to do. I would just say to us tonight, let's drop the attitude. If God wants to do something, he can go ahead and do it. Our manner, our response, our activity, our faith. Maybe we're saying tonight it has nothing to do with it. Like it doesn't really matter. We come into church and he can show up. And even if there's unbelief, he should do amazing, amazing things. You see, this is, I hope you can understand what I'm saying. This is not the Jesus show where he comes and we come in, you know, hey, here we are again, like do your thing. Impress us. And sometimes that's what church can become. We come in and it's like, is there a miracle today? Okay, let's see it. Hey, you do your thing, you know, you do your thing, and uh, let me know when you're doing it. That's not what it is. This is an encounter with a living God. This is an encounter with the living God, with our Savior, with our Lord. Coming to encounter His presence and His power and His life. I don't know why we wouldn't be full of faith. Full of faith when we come to church. You know, Hebrews 11.6, we're very familiar with this, but it says, without faith it is, what does it say? Impossible to please Him. You mean it's not like a little bit possible? I don't know why he would put this in there if he didn't mean it. He's saying without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he comes, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Maybe that's the thing. We don't diligently seek him because we don't think he's a rewarder. And if that's the case, we need to change our attitude tonight and change our mindset and allow the Spirit to do a work in us. Because God is not a man that he should lie. The Amplified reads, but without faith it is impossible to please him and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. We can't leave those, those things at the end out. We can't cut the verse off or replace the words. It says those that diligently seek him, earnestly seek him. That's faith, isn't it? That we come into church, what does our seeking look like week to week? Some weeks diligent, other weeks not. Some weeks we're really pressing in, other weeks not. Some weeks we're full of faith. Some weeks a little less faith in you, Jesus. Not sure you got anything for us tonight. J.B. Phillips' New Testament, without faith it is impossible to please him. The man who 
approaches God must have faith in two things. First, that God exists. And secondly, that it is worth a man's while to try to find God. Some people, they don't think it's worth their while to seek Him, to earnestly seek Him, diligently seek Him. They just don't think it's worth their while. I know we hear this counsel a lot at this church, but that's why some people don't come to pre-service prayer because they don't think it's worth their while to seek them, to get themselves ready for the service. They don't think it matters. Well, try it. Try it for a month. Not for a week. Try it for a month. Don't come in one time. Things might change. You might be blown away by what God does in your life. That's why some people don't read their Bible. They don't, what's the point? Does it really matter? It's not really worth my while to try and find God. This can be Christians too. This isn't just, I know sometimes it's like that's the unbeliever. That's always the unbeliever. That's the backslidden, that's the prodigal. Coming to church and it's not the person you really want to hear preach. So it's put the notepad away. And Right now it's not worth my while to see God. That might be the very message you needed to hear. Even though it's not the person you particularly like. That's the truth. Earnestly seek him. Diligently seek him. You know, that word impossible, it really does mean unable to be done. I don't know what definition you have. It's impossible. It's not possible. Now, so these men, they carry this man and they haul him up onto the roof. They open the roof. They lower him down. You know the truth? They had no guarantee that that man would be healed. They had no guarantee that man would be forgiven of his sins. They had no guarantee the response would be favorable. They had no idea how others would react. Look how they stepped out. How they stepped out. That's bold faith. That's not unbelief. That is radical, insane, crazy, normal faith. That's what it is. That's normal faith because they knew who was in the room. Now, maybe you're saying, yeah, they probably thought, hey, we can do this because Jesus can just snap his fingers and fix the roof. I don't think they thought that. They just genuinely wanted this brother, this man, you see, they weren't even after their own thing. They were hauling somebody else up there and lowering somebody else in. It's not that they were up there peeling back the tiles so that they could get in and they could rappel down, you know, and how you doing? That was not it. It was not their own thing. They were genuinely concerned for this paralytic, like, we have to get him there. We have to get him. That's radical faith. That's bold faith. Even if its faith is a mustard seed, the truth is we need to be challenged with regards to our faith. Our responsibility is faith. I want us to hear that and just to get it and just to understand it and accept it. 
See, faith is not God's responsibility. He is faithful. He's full of faith. He comes in full of faith at all times. But if we're coming in with unbelief, we're not filling our role. We're not doing our job. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I want to see here this tonight. It's not our responsibility to heal the paralytic. And that can speak to so many things tonight. But it is our responsibility to have faith. It's not our responsibility to save the person, to heal them at the altar. See, Jesus is, is the one. It's his presence. It's his power. It's his life. It's, it's not us. We can't do anything on our own. And if we have that attitude, we need to realize it's all him. We're just the avenue. He's the ministry. He's the one moving and working and changing people's lives. And The thing is, we need to be open. And that openness, really, it's faith. It's, it's bold belief in the Lord. It's opening it up, opening our lives up that he might, that he might move. It's bringing others to the Lord that he might touch them, that they might be changed. Our responsibility is faith. I want to ask us tonight, is my Bible reading faith-filled Bible reading? You see, there's a lot of unbelievers that read the Bible. Did you know that? Did I just blow your mind? There's unbelievers that have read the Bible. I mean, it's a popular book. A lot of different versions out there. Nice covers.